0: Please don't stop the please
1: don't stop the please don't stop the music and Please don't stop the music and Please
2: don't stop the music I was early
1: do we have it in there somewhere I, feel, I don't think
2: i should do i feel confident
1: okay listen, i don't think i, I should be that.
2: in charge of the clap anymore
1: wait does that mean that we're does that mean we're actually recording the episode right now technically sure. all right chris hasn't done all the right. intro so then we're going to do I've done the intro yet but yeah so right. that well then we're going to do a thing that's half <laughs> the setup and half topical so on three sing ah one two wait are we singing uh before uh, <laughs> Just do it, okay? One, (laughs) two, three. Uh. Why why can't we get this, guys?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo, and I'm joined this evening, as always, by Aka Enthusiast Paul Giroux. aka excuse me? And Baloney Barb, Sean Doyle.
2: I'll give you a Baloney Barb.
0: (laughs) This month's letter was P. And we went with Paul's pick, which was pitch perfect. Boy, that was some alliteration. Uh, we have all learned valuable lessons about the cut world, the cutthroat world of acapella, or have we? Just how much vomit can the human body contain? Let's find out. But first, how you folks doing?
1: Paul, you want to go first this time? I, I usually jump in. Oh, I don't know. I was I was trying to be a gentleman and let you go first. Um, yeah, I've. Uh... Yeah, I've I've had a crazy couple of days. I don't know. I guess uh, some of this, some of that. Um, I guess I sent you the you guys the picture. I got my I got my sleepy breathing machine. Um, yeah, yeah, looking good. Oh man, uh, that's uh, I don't know if the 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 cure is worse than the disease. It like <laughs> like pumps air into my face. I feel like it's trying to like kill me in my sleep. Um, I mean, I know it's like keeping me alive, but like. <laughs> it, it, it it feels, feels like very, the opposite yeah it feels very oppressive <laughs> um uh but i don't know it's i've been about 5 days with this i'm slowly getting better at it like like last night i actually slept with it on for like close to 6 hours which was which was big because you know when i started in the in the beginning it would be like 2 hours and then i'd peel it off my face and be like ah <laughs> um, uh although Dude. the first night i think i definitely had it on the wrong setting which was Definitely, why it felt like it was trying to kill me, um, so I've since corrected that, and it it has been better. multiple settings like does it have a death setting uh it well, it has I guess the reason I had it on the wrong setting because there's more than one style of mask right there's the mask that goes over your full face, like your mouth and your nose, and then there's a mouse, a, a, a mask that just goes over your nose, which is what I have, and then there's one then there's one called a nose pillow. So it kind of it kind of like like goes on your like upper lip and like snugs up against your nose and has a like a little suctiony thing to just your nostrils and then it it shoots air that way which I think I want to get because that seems less oppressive for some reason but um but I don't have that one I have the one that goes over your full nose and I had it set on the setting for the nose pillow one so I think it was I think it was really fire and air into my fucking face (laughs) and (laughs) and, uh, I've, I've corrected that. Um, Yeah. I don't know. That's been, that's been a big challenge over the last couple of days. I don't know. Our downstairs toilet seat broke this morning, so I got to fix that over the weekend. But, uh, Nate declared to me that now that's the pee and toilet, and the upstairs one's the poop and <laughs> toilet. Um, <laughs> so that's exciting, and I don't, I don't know. I usually tell you three things. What's another thing? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, since we last saw each other. I've been watching nothing but Pitch Perfect movies um, and John Claude Van Damme movies. Uh, oddly, but just those two things.
2: <laughs> All right. I don't, I, don't stuff.
0: Think, I don't think I have anything quite that ex- quite that exciting. I. Uh... You know, I almost reached through the phone and murdered somebody at my uh criminal um mortgage company this because you know, that's what I needed out of life. Um, but you know, other than Senlar being the worst mortgage company in, in on the frickin' planet, uh things have been going pretty normalish here, I think. I feel like there's something important I'm forgetting. But uh I'll be damned if I can remember what it is. You know, we've just been watching uh, we started House of the Dragon. Uh, what is it? We we watched the first two of the three episodes of Andor last night. But that's all TV stuff.
1: Oh man, I watched one episode of Andor. Maybe I was just tired or something like that. But that first episode didn't hook me in that much. It, does it get better?
0: I don't know. I was extremely tired when I watched it, uh, and I actually fell asleep during the second
1: episode. So I'm gonna to have to rewatch that one. <laughs> I mean, it seemed really interesting, but it also seemed a little slow moving, and I was like, "Oh, I, maybe I'll come back to this when I'm in a better frame of mind." Yeah, it certainly didn't hit a stride yet. It was just still laying down
0: framework, and I was like, I was just, I was just falling asleep. I was like, "I can't do this anymore. I have to go to bed." Uh, I, I, same thing happened to me earlier today. With uh, I, I can't blame it because it did seem genuinely interesting. Uh, today I started playing the new Monkey Island game and I was falling asleep playing that because that's how tired I was because I didn't get enough sleep last night but You must have been really tired. Seriously, I was super super excited to finally play it and then like <laughs> but it's 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 not an action game or anything and you... I'm always super tired tired at the end of the day, at the when the kids get home from school.
1: Do you want a machine that fires air into your fucking face. <laughs> 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 Maybe that'll help you sleep a little better.
0: <laughs> clearly I, I clearly I need that cuz I uh, I've been I've been so you know, focusing a lot of energy on exercising lately. And last week I was sick, so I kind of took the week off of exercising. And this week I'm mostly better, but, god, I was not prepared for yesterday's workout. Which, like, So I'm using Ring Fit Adventure, which is this exercise game for the Switch. I'm towards the end of the game, and for some reason, so it's, it's like it's an exercise role-playing game. So you, you, all your moves that you fight the bad guys with are exercise moves. And it just so happens that right now, the strongest moves I have are both squats. Two different versions of squats. I have been doing so many squats lately, and I just keep hoping I'm going to find a better move. And I know I could just pick other moves to fight the bad guys with, but I'm such a lunatic for doing it the right way, and like, well, this is the most effective way to beat these villains, so I'm going to keep using the blue moves, and they're the leg moves, and they're both squats right now. God, this sucks. So today I've been like, I've been walking like a, a bow-legged cowboy all day today it's been it's been pretty brutal so between that and being tired because my dog woke me up in the middle of the night last night for for some reason i don't know she just came to the side of the bed and was like you need to pet me now She's just give <laughs> the, me the little every time i sit down on the couch like you did a movie watch tv whatever it is i sit down on the couch the dog will come up to me and she'll just look at me and go start pawing at the side of the couch i'm like I don't feel like she won't get up on the couch, which would if she would get up on the couch, then I would pet her and everything would be fine. But she like insists on not getting on the furniture. So like I have to lean forward and then eventually lean over the side of the couch or just lay down on the floor next to the dog to pet her. (laughs) <laughs> because I'll just keep petting her, and then she'll keep sinking into the floor. Then I'll be like, "Well, I'm not doing this anymore." And I'll lean back, and she'll get back up and start going, and start pawing at the couch again. Like, would you just get up here so we can both be comfortable? You freaking lunatic! She's she's doing this to me at like one o'clock in the morning last night. Freaking dog! But yeah, new hmm. Monkey Island game seems pretty good so far. I I I think it's ugly as sin, but uh, it's animated really well, and the uh, the dialogue is really great. So, hooray! But, yeah, I think that's all I have of any real relevance. I'm sure I'm forgetting something very important, but uh, the last couple days have been a blur.
1: I have nothing to say about the Monkey Island game since I haven't played it yet, but I hope to at some point. But as far as Andor goes, I I have high hopes for it because I like him, but I I am a little bummed not to see the Alan Tudyk robot in the Yeah, K2SO
0: is so cool.
1: I think what I wanted it to be deep down was like a buddy flick with... Him and the robot flying around <laughs> having adventures, but that's just me.
0: That, would, that was really what I was kind of, I was really bummed when I heard he wasn't going to be in it too, but uh, I'm still like holding out hope there will be some sort of surprise cameo of him at the very end. Um, I am very interested in this story. It is, uh, it's certainly not, you know, the old high adventure that I look for out of Star Wars so far. Um, but, uh, like I said, it is very interesting, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. I mean, I was just happy as a clam because I got, I got tacos for dinner and I got new Star Wars and I was very happy and that just turned out I was way too tired to stay awake for all three episodes, but
2: I know, I know that they're like, uh, independent of the other series or whatever, but me and Jacqueline are still like two series behind on that. And we really like them. Like the, uh, I, we just, I don't know why that's, we just haven't gotten around to the
0: I mean, Andor just started, like, brand, right, right. But brand. what was
2: the series before that? We didn't, we didn't even do that yet. Obi Wan, uh, right? We didn't do Obi Wan yet, and we only did part of the one before. We did all of uh, Mandalorian, and there was something after Mandalorian that I think we started but haven't finished.
0: Oh, Book of Boba Fett. That one was a mess. I loved it, but it was a mess.
2: Was it? Yeah, uh, yeah. We we didn't finish that one, and we didn't do any of Obi Wan yet. So, and it's not that we, it's not that we weren't enjoying it. We just, I don't know. Just
1: haven't gotten to it that's a that's okay it's probably for the best sean because then we would just be talking about star wars so <laughs> which which doesn't bother
0: me at all i can talk Star Wars all the time uh it's other thing i could talk all the time i have been continuing my mcu rewatch and uh i'm on the super interesting stuff right now because i'm now rewatching phase four like we i did end game a few days ago uh and that was just wonderful and then i did um I still think it's super weird that they consider Spider-Man Far From Home,
2: Home the End instead of Endgame.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, I disagree. That's the beginning of Phase Four for me. So yeah. that's, like, how, that's how that's how it's how it works in this movie theater. But I'm I'm like three episodes into Wandavision, and like, man, marathoning that show is even cooler than uh, I I really enjoyed that the first time through. I thought it was super fun guessing what the hell was going on week to week. And I was kind of concerned that going back to that show now, knowing what happens in it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't find it as entertaining. Um, but it gets out of this, like the sitcoms were only the first two episodes and it gets out of that super fast. And it's been just the third episode's the one where you see you, you, the Darcy's there and you see, um, Monica Rambo gets sucked in and like everything going on outside of it and the, the 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 blip happening in the hospital, like it's really freaking good. Like I'm I'm very much enjoying uh I'm enjoying it the second time through way more than I thought I was going to enjoy the second time through. Um so I'm really looking forward to seeing all this all the rest of this phase four stuff again uh and seeing how I feel about it. Just kind of marathoning it straight through um after endgame, which you know, freaking holds up. I've been watching most of this stuff on my phone, but, like, the back half of Endgame was like, we're watching this on TV tonight. Like, I know we've been doing other things, but this is what we're doing. And Karen's like, oh no, twist my arm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have to.
2: So, I have, uh, I, I don't have anything super, uh, important or interesting or anything, except for this. Uh, so, uh, we're at the brewery, hanging out, and I see this sign, right? And we've probably said this on this show before. I know I've said it to you guys. I don't like it when people tell me that somebody's dead, because if you don't tell me they're dead, I won't know that they're dead. And then, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, know, Gene Wilder. I think maybe somebody told me he was dead, but then they might have been wrong. So I don't even know if he's alive or dead, but I don't need you to tell me, because if you don't tell me then he's alive and that's a happier world. Right. So just don't tell me when, you know, (laughs) fun people die and I won't know it. It's not like I'm checking up on these people every day, right? Like, is Gene Hackman alive? I don't know. I'm going to side with Yeah, sure. (laughs) Maybe. Right? Uh, So I got the opposite. Someone I assumed was dead is alive. uh, And and he's performing, like, around the corner from my house. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason I know who he is is because when I was watching Plan 9 when I was a kid... (laughs) My dad pointed out to me who the announcer was. He was like, "Well, that's uh, uh, Chriswell," and I was like, "Who's Chriswell?" Uh, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of Plan Nine, there's a guy is like, you know, you've seen it, you can't unsee it, right? I don't know. He's like, he's announcing. Or it's it's a weird intro, and, it's, and I think he's at the end too, maybe. Uh, but apparently, he was this guy Chriswell, who was famous for doing Chriswell predicts. He's like a mentalist kind of like a psychic, only they don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's maybe slightly different than being a psychic, right? Uh, I think it has more to do with like reading body language and stuff, right? Maybe hypnotizing people. I don't know. I don't know. But that's what he is. And then I was like, well, what's a mentalist? And my dad was like, well, you know, like the amazing Creskin. And I was like, who's the amazing Creskin?" And this is how conversations went. My dad would just search for a reference point that I didn't have, you know. <laughs> the amazing Creskin is apparently one of the most famous mentalists of all time. He was on Johnny Carson a whole bunch of times. And, like, he would sort of hypnotize people. And, and like, he would just, like, talk at people. And then, like, he'd be like, and, and now there's magnets on your back and you feel real heavy. And the person would just, like, start to fall down. Right. And, like, I think it was kind of like the power of suggestion meets a little bit of hypnotizing meets a little bit of, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. It, it's a shtick. Uh, and I've never seen it. And Kreskin goes back. Uh, he is 90. Uh, what is he? 90, uh 97 years old. And apparently he's still just doing this. He lives in New Jersey and he still does local shows and he's doing one in Heights town right before Halloween is kind of like a, a Halloween bit. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go. Cause I mean, I thought this guy was dead cause he was old when I was a kid. So I just assumed he was gone. But apparently he's only ninety-seven and still shows up
1: places and messes with people. Oh so. my God! Is the is the is the like hypnotist bit like going to be like? Oh look, I made my teeth disappear. Like <laughs> <what>? <laughs> that is an old the guy. advertisement.
2: The advertisement is him standing in a graveyard, <laughs> leaning on his tombstone that says "The Amazing Creskin" and has a birth date of like January twelfth, nineteen thirty. I think it says 32. It's a little hard to read uh, with no death date, so like he's just only so 32. Maybe he's only 90. I don't know what is. Oh, it's only 90. Okay, so he's 90, still, still crazy old. Uh, if if I'm reading that birth date right, um, but yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I'm in. Whatever. Yeah. Half-assed show this is. That's I am not... down. But did you guys?
1: <laughs> did you guys go to the? Do you remember uh, you? You guys might not have been part of this. It when when I was in high school in media class, we went to Atlantic City and watched some show with a hypnotist, and we all got hypnotized. Were you guys yeah. part of that? Yeah, I, I was there for that. I mean, I didn't I was get
2: not, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: I didn't get hypnotized. I was like one of the only people that that didn't. Like he brought everybody on stage. Yeah, and and he had these um exercises that you were supposed to do it was like you're reaching for a balloon or you're you know i don't i don't know like it was supposed to you were imagine something and then put yourself in that situation and then slowly he weeded people out he would be like you sit down you sit down so whatever he saw in me was like this guy's not going to be good to hypnotize but i don't know what he was looking for but most of our class stayed up there and like I remember he hypnotized Rich Lampkin into thinking he was Rocky and like he's running around with a flag being like Adrian, you know, and like jumping up and down. And then like after the show, he was like, yeah, I've never I've never even seen Rocky. And I was like, dude, (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, he remember he hypnotized a bunch of people. And it was always like a wacky thing, but that's the only one I remember. I, I just remember him jumping around, pretending to be Rocky. And I think Jamie Thomas was Adrian, and he like, you know, swooped her down like he was going to kiss her or something like that. But, you know, didn't. <laughs> that's what I remember about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember being on stage for that and like trying to play along. And then he eventually sent me to sit down. Oh,
1: no, so we, we were probably like the only two that sat and watched the show. Yeah, because I remember everybody being up there getting hypnotized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I
0: I tried playing along for 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 a while there, and eventually he sent me sent me back down. It's like, yeah, I don't
1: get it, but it was weird. Hypnotizing is weird. Hey, can I tell you one more thing that maybe loosely has something to do with the movie that we're talking about, but then also has to do with what Sean was saying about? Hey, I thought this person was dead. Um, but then also just seems like a really weird movie story and we have a movie podcast. This is an awful lot of qualifiers, but yes. <laughs> you just do it. You do it, Doug. We well, do you. I saw something online about a movie and it said that it was it was directed by Elizabeth Banks, right? And I was like, Oh, she's a director too? And then I sort of started, you know, I, I went down an IMDB hole, which like she is a producer on Pitch Perfect and it turns out for the second movie that like she stepped up and directed it too so it seems like she's directed a bunch of stuff here wait let me look at the IMDB Um, yeah I'm not going to be so quick with this but one of them was that thing called like Movie 42 or something that is a I don't know it's like a weird Movie 43 it was like a weird yeah um, that sounds familiar Weird, you know, like a uh, sketch comedy kind of thing. Um, yeah. Uh... I vaguely remember what you're talking about,
2: but I never saw it. Yeah,
1: yeah sorry. I'm not s- I'm not so quick with this. Um, yeah, she directed Pitch Perfect 2. There was something else on there that I was like, oh, cool. Like, that was starting to, like, give me the flavor of the stuff that she directs, right? But it said she's got an upcoming movie in 2023 that she's directing called... Cocaine Bear. So then I I clicked on it, and the thing that I was surprised about it is it it one of the stars is Ray Liotta, and I was like, isn't Ray Liotta dead? But he died, you know, a couple months ago, and I guess he had this film in the can, and it's going to come out next year. But the synopsis for the movie is literally. It tells the story of a drug runner whose plane crashes with a load of cocaine that's found by a black bear who eats it. <laughs> and it it's, could be crazy, but I think that's a true story. It, it, it must be. It's a, it looks like it is a thriller-like horror type movie. and It is called Cocaine Bear.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's like a true story. I think, we, I, think I heard that one on the, uh, the murder podcast I listened to with Jacqueline. Uh, they get a little off track on that one, but I think some people died in the process because it's a bear on cocaine. Give a bear a there, bunch
0: of cocaine and you're stranded. There are on. no survivors. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, like, it's either going to be, like, a bloody, grisly mess, right? Or it's going to be, like, <laughs> this bear sitting there with sunglasses and being like, hey, man! <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> it's either going to be, like, out there or it's going to be... Wow, it's going to be out there either way. It's going to be bananas. How could it not be? It's called Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I feel like it kind of has to be.
2: Yeah, it's inspired by true events that happened in Kentucky in 1985.
1: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) A story that can only happen in (laughs) Kentucky in 1985. (laughs) (laughs) Stranger than fiction.
2: Half hour viewing audience. Viewing? Listening audience? Participating audience? Participated retail? (laughs) I don't know. Half the people that listen to this crap are in Kentucky right now uh, at a heavy metal festival that's like four days long. So apparently, we have a lot of cross reference to uh, heavy metal fans.
1: Where are you getting this from?
2: Well, Greg and Bonnie and Will are all in <laughs> Kentucky, and we don't have a lot of listeners, so I'm assuming that's uh, you know at least a good share.
0: It's a portion of our audience.
2: Right, right. We were on Kentucky because of the cocaine. All right, let's talk about a movie. I love, I
0: love everything about that sentence. We were on Kentucky because of the Cocaine Bear.
2: Do you name the episodes? Because if you name these episodes, the name of this one's Cocaine Bear.
1: It's just a good, it's
2: a good name.
0: Oh, we'll save that for C. When we
2: watch Cocaine, yeah, we're not talking nice.
1: about that movie. We're talking about Pitch Perfect. All right.
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's let's get the business here on Pitch Perfect. Uh, let's see here.
2: The- well, you usually ask us how we watched it.
0: Yeah, I actually i i was i was gonna do that after the uh, after the breakdown, but uh we yeah. can we can no do do the breakdown do
1: the breakdown don't let the right. let the man right. do Let's his thing down. let, let the man do his thing
0: all right pitch perfect was released on October fifth two thousand twelve and was distributed by Universal Pictures it was directed by Jason Moore and written by Kay Cannon and according to Wikipedia it is quote loosely adapted from Mickey Rapkin's nonfiction book titled Pitch Perfect. The Quest for Collegiate Acapella Glory, and director Jason Moore's own experiences with his alma mater, Northwestern University. Quote, Jason Moore's other works include 2022's Shotgun Wedding and several episodes of Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill. Kay Cannon's other other works include writing for both Pitch Perfect sequels and directing 2021's Cinderella. The movie stars Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson, Skylar Astin, Adam Adam Devine, Devine,
1: I think it's divine. I think
0: it's divine. All right. Anna Camp, Brittany Snow, Mike, uh, John Michael Higgins, Elizabeth Banks, and more. It tells the story of a girl who goes to college to find only to find her DJ aspirations overshadowed by the cult-like world of competitive cappella singing. As for how we watched it, we actually watched this all together. It's, uh, it was playing in theaters again because it's the movie's anniversary. Um, and we all stopped at Five Below for various snacks and Sean was pretty drunk.
1: Yeah, how do we do this? This has never been, it's never been that we've all watched it in the same place. How do we, uh, how do we do that? We don't, this is out of, out of the norm for us.
0: We have to keep picking episodes that are about to experience movie theater revivals because of anniversaries.
1: I have, I have something to say about this, though. Um, uh, yes, we all watched it in theaters together. I had a, I had a great stinking time. Um, uh, it, it was just a relaxing day, right? I, I left home, uh, I was like, I'm going to roll the dice and see if somebody wants to meet and ended up in some kind of bar with Sean playing a game about running a bar. Um, (laughs) So that was weird and uh, (laughs) but also awesome. And, you know, we had a couple drinks in the process. So, like, I was I was ready to go with this movie. And then, yeah, I was I was excited to see that the five below was right next to the movie theater and. I think we all had that discussion that was like, oh, it's just asking for it. Like, why? why, (laughs) Like, that's gotta be why it's there. Why why would you pay, you know, eight bucks for some M and M's at the movie theater when you get them for two and uh, five below? So that was pretty amazing. But what I will say is, I am not impressed with Fathom Events. Uh, This is only the second (laughs) Fathom event I have ever been to, and I don't know what what makes it a Fathom event. Like. I thought that the thing that makes it a fathom event is that it gives the illusion that you're watching it that you're you're watching a like a live experience with other theaters around the country, right? Like when I've when I've seen it advertised it's been like do you like opera but you can't afford to go to the opera? Like stream it at fathom events. Um which I guarantee you nobody's streaming anything, right? Like the the like headache with that is you know is not worth it like they're doing a multi camera shoot of something and editing an experience together and then making you think that you are watching it with a bunch of other theaters around the country um and I did this I saw with my friend Tim we went to some Monty Python thing like it was supposed to be like the Monty Python reunion or something and it was a stage show with all the living members and they showed clips and then they acted you know they they performed some of the the bits on stage, right? But, like, it was in no way a live thing. I mean, it was a live thing at some point, but, like, somebody edited it and made it an event, and it did this Fathom Everything's a live thing. thing at some point. Right. But with what we did, I feel like they just put on a movie and, like, didn't even put it on on time. Like, we were yeah. sitting in there, <laughs> and we were like, somebody going to start the movie? You know, and then they're they like, had to oh. go
0: talk to the uh, concession lady, and she radioed, like, did somebody start the Fathom event in theater twelve or whatever we we're in? Like, they just forgot to hit play. But yeah, that's that's all it was. It was, that was literally all it was. There's was nothing I think, else to it.
1: I think all they did was like stick a DVD in the slot and we watched it. You know, like <laughs> I, I think that was the extent of it. Like I thought, I thought maybe because it was a Fathom event, there would be some, you know, I don't know, like maybe there'd be some like intro from the cast or there'd be some like little you know, little uh, clip show beforehand that's, like, remembering 10 years of Pitch Perfect or something like that, but, like... I wonder if there was and we just didn't get to see it. We we, I mean, we just watched the movie, and then, like, the other thing was, like, I I didn't even think the sound was that good, you know? Like, you you go to a a movie and you expect the, like, movie theater quality sound, and uh, at one point, Perrin because it wasn't just us it was a couple other people oh i'm sorry paren i didn't mean to uh <laughs> ugh here i am offending our few viewers that we have um but he leans over and he's like he's like does it sound quiet to you and i was like "Ah, eh, it's not bothering me like people in the seats absorb sound and there's like nobody here it's just you know it's just the five of us like i was like i'm fine with it but then once the movie started and it was like about spectacular singing i was like yeah like could we make this better fathom events I I was I was uh. that's my that's my that's my rant to the Fathom Events people like get your crap together Fathom Events I can't shake the feeling that it was
0: more the theater than than Fathom Events like I think you're right I think they just dropped the flipping ball on this whole thing because like that's probably exactly what it was this didn't seem like a proper movie theater transfer experience or anything it was just seemed like they popped the Blu-ray in and were playing that through a projector like it didn't seem like what it should be
2: don't you remember at the beginning it said dvd <laughs> did, did, did it really no <laughs> uh it, it, so hey yeah i agree with paul uh, if i think the fathom events concept would work better if you made an event out of it so i think this was playing for like a whole week so yeah it's just a movie but if you just had it released for like you know two days only and then you did like a, a live intro by a cast member. It doesn't have to be like the big name cast member. Or what's the girl? She's famous, right? Anna I don't know Kendrick. her name. Sure, it doesn't have to be her. You could get like a second or third rate person in the movie. Somebody will, will you know, will sit down and, and give you, you know, twenty minutes to introduce a film uh, for not an unreasonable amount of money. And then if you had that, and you were only doing it one or two nights, two nights only, live intro from. I, again, I, I don't know who was like the third biggest name in the movie, you know, the fourth biggest name in the movie. If that person live introed it, you know, he'd probably get more than what? There was like seven people in the theater. There it was just, just us,
0: right? us. We were the only ones like, to show up for
2: five. Five of us or something. Like ridiculous. So, yeah, they might be able to make it more of an event, get more people
1: to show up.
0: It would have been one more if Greg had bothered to show up.
1: Shh, I'll tell you. I'm <laughs> kid. God damn it, Greg.
0: Oh, there's football happening. I can't come watch Pitch Perfect Ooh. in the. <laughs> Man, it's got to get He'll his live with that re-
1: straight.
2: I uh, know, he's going to live with that regret the rest of his life. Right? The uh, And to all our other viewers who missed it, Pitch Perfect in theaters, you had your chance. You missed it. As we just sat here and told you, you could basically just watch the DVD at home and, yeah, and probably a miss- <laughs> better sound quality. <laughs> you
0: did actually miss much of, much of anything except for uh, the good times of Sitting in movie, paying more
1: money to see it the movie theater. Yeah,
2: I've
1: I've I've watched it a couple times since now because you know I didn't felt weird bringing a notebook in and sitting with you guys, so I wanted to check it out again. And it is on Peacock, and uh, and Pitch Perfect two is on Peacock too. So I I watched both of those, but then I didn't watch three because you had to pay for that. So I haven't seen that one. Does the second one hold up to the first one? Um, well we should probably talk about the first one, but um oh, God, I would say um so here's what I'm gonna say, and I can't believe these words are gonna come out of my mouth. Uh uh how 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 much I've changed in a month. Um
2: <laughs> There's before and after
1: yeah. your month with Pitch Perfect. Um,
2: Those are the markers in your life.
1: No, I, I think with what I've seen so far, Pitch Perfect one and two. I think it's similar to the conversation that we had about Bill and Ted that um, I told you one was my, the first one was my favorite and the second one was my second favorite and then the third one. And I said, that implies that they get worse. And I was like, they don't, they don't get worse. Uh, They are all good movies. It's just that like that first one captures something that nothing else after it's going to capture. I think Chris used the term lightning in a bottle. and i think that's just how it is with pitch perfect like it was i think it was so um i think it was so well constructed and the you know if you if you like if you like singing movies you're going to like this movie if you like you know if you like sort of girl power things you're going to like this movie but even if you're not into that stuff uh you know it's it's got a lot to it that's like weird improv stuff that just like works so well there's so many like niche things about it that almost make it a cult classic that um that I think you know it's hard to top that and it's hard to to make a sequel that's going to like live up to that that being said the sequel was good I enjoyed it it was it was a great movie it just it wasn't the first one um I will also say that uh the first Five minutes of the second one, do not disappoint. Um uh it starts with um some zingers from uh the commentators from from John Michael Higgins and uh and Elizabeth Banks, you know getting ready to talk about the next a cappella um uh uh <laughs> concert, you know, and there's some funny stuff with them, and then there is the Bellas performing at that concert. <laughs> Um, an incredible song, uh, you know, like it took the whole first movie for them to finally ramp up to like an awesome performance. So it starts with an awesome level performance at the beginning of this movie and then an equally embarrassing thing to the vomit moment at the beginning of the first movie that is a million times funnier. So like. The second movie, the first five minutes of it, do not disappoint. But um, but yeah, all in all, it's not as good as the first one, just because how could it be?
0: Yeah, I don't actually don't remember much about the second one. I remember watching it with Karen, and when it was over, me and her were just like, yeah, that didn't really quite do it for us. Um, I, I, just, I don't remember a darn thing about it. I know I've seen it exactly once, and I didn't see the third one. Um. I'd be interested in seeing it again sometime just to, to kind of get that out of my system. But I've seen the first one like a half a dozen times oh, at least.
1: I mean, I'm going to watch the third one. I mean, we can watch it together if you want. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do it at some point. Like I'm all in with these things, but, um, you gotta but now, the i got to see how the trilogy ends. Yet. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so this was my first time seeing it and I didn't think I was going to like it at all. I didn't know what it was going in. Uh, however, the marketing on this movie uh, originally put it out there it didn't uh it didn't convey you know it, it this is probably it probably is two different movies uh in one you kind of had your standard movie that I, I think the marketing made it seem like to me um uh but then you also had your standard like uh you know i don't know uh girl comes to realization uh there's the singing and the competition or whatever i don't know more of like a teen movie that you know is what it is and you know whatever and then it's kind of a second movie on top of that that's these ridiculous uh jokes pushing on the uh not nearly the quantity of but the absurdity almost the absurdity level of like a wet hot american summer like some of the lines and some of the things that happen are just uh absurd they're not they're not uh, I mean the commentators, especially like, and I know she she was in What Happened, American Summer, so that's probably why I'm making the connection there. But like a lot of what they say, like obviously that could that that's outside of reality and it's it's absurdist, it's hysterical. It was probably my favorite part of the movie was the the commentators. They <laughs> every time they did anything, it was killing me. Um, but that level of humor, that level of absurdist humor, does carry through the rest of the movie. So you kind of have two different movies uh, over top of each other. And I think I only enjoyed the one and not so much the other. Um, So all in all, I had a really good time. I didn't think I was going to like the movie at all. Because again, going in, I I think the marketing when this came out, I squarely put it in that other category. It it didn't even seem like uh, something I would think about going to see. see. It seemed like a, uh, uh, you know. It, I, it,
0: it, I, I'm, I I know what you're trying to say because I felt the same way. It, it seemed like it was just a movie about girls singing um, and it's some
2: sort of high school, college drama you know.
0: Yeah, it, but it's so much more absurd than that and absurd is the right word it's, this movie's completely insane like it does not take place in any sensible, reasonable reality like the underground acapella death matches <laughs> they go to and stuff like it's so completely insane um and way funnier than i ever expected it to be like when i remember the first time seeing it uh because you know karen had it was a movie that uh it made her laugh and made her very happy when she was going through some rough times and then we watched it together and i was like of course i'll watch i'll watch it with you because you know that's what you do and That The girl horked in the beginning and the the, the announcers are talking. I'm like, this is freaking hilarious. And then when the girl just can unloads this fire hose of vomit, I was like, what the hell is this movie? It actually reminded me a little bit of Drop Dead Gorgeous in that. Like, I feel like this is on one hand, it's going to be one thing, but it's actually something far more bizarre. uh, And I was really quite taken with it. I do under, I do also agree with you. There is that like the exact movie that you think it is based on the, the way it was marketed is in there of like Anna Kendrick and like the, you know, the, the, the cute guy and will they, won't they kind of stuff. And that's, you know, that that's, that's the bit of the movie that doesn't really mean much of anything to me either. Uh, this, that doesn't really stick with me. I know you disliked Anna Kendrick's character far more than Far more than I did, although I'm not not going to say undeservedly. So uh, she is kind of the worst for a lot of. The
2: <laughs> you know what? It, uh, when you would, when you gave the intro, you said about uh, like the plot is like she's an aspiring DJ who gets sucked into the 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 cult of acapella, and I was like, I forgot there was that whole DJ bit with her because it was just that boring and <laughs> flat and unimportant. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. There was like a couple scenes where she's like trying to be a DJ and cares about that no but it's it like... was
0: important it was her DJing stuff that she did that got the acapella group to do what they wound up doing it was her mashups that are what made them successful in the end
1: yeah every word out of her mouth was just <laughs> it, it was it was her it, it was her whole thing was the mashups which was how they succeeded and I was I was actually kind of surprised at how long it took them to adopt that mashup thing and 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 you know and become a better group, right? Like I kept thinking it was going to happen. like there was that scene where they were all in her room, and she's like, "Let me play you this thing." and they're all like, "No, thanks. um uh like I was surprised how long it took with the movie, but yeah, that did become her whole thing, and they even mentioned that in the second movie, like. It, the the mashup thing becomes old hat, and then you know somebody's like, "Well, anybody can mash two songs together," and she's like, "Yeah, but it's kind of my thing." <laughs> like they, <laughs> they, they made a big point of that <laughs> in the movie. I
2: know why
1: I matter. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I um I did like the uh, <laughs> like the musical performances. I find a uh, find acapella to be very uh very entertaining, um to a degree. <laughs> Like well, it eventually, uh, like it, it hits a wall with me eventually, where like I I just get tired of the shtick of acapella. But like you know, when 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 done properly, it is very uh very amusing to watch. And uh, I, I thought the performances were really good in the movie.
1: I, I want to respond to something you guys just said a couple of minutes ago, so that I it doesn't get too far away. But you both said that it was. It was both the movie that you thought it was going to be, and then it was something totally different on top of that, um, which I agree with. Uh, I mean, like, um, you know, uh, yeah, it was. I guess it was a lot of different types of movies in there, but there, there did seem to be this almost like improv, improv comedy kind of movie, like a like, I mean, even just the way that. Uh, Elizabeth Banks and John Michael Higgins were those announcers was like parking back to like a, a Christopher Guest type movie, you know, uh-huh. and like it was clear that they made up all those announcer things, um, which like it's ridiculous that there was announcers for acapella. Um, but in the
0: commentary yeah live commentary like
1: why would you be listening to live commentary you'd be listening to the people singing Um, but um, (laughs) in the second movie they correct it by saying that they they have a a podcast uh, you know that the two of them are podcasters and that that's why they are at these things commenting on the acapella Um, but yeah it was this like it was this crazy sort of make them up um improv thing and apparently um uh rebel wilson improv a lot of things too and a lot of people had free license and that's why there was some like really like magic moments in it. Um but yeah it was also this singing movie but man I loved both movies. Like I agree. I did like I thought like man I was gonna love the one thing more than the other, but I was all in on the performances and I thought they were awesome. And uh and I'm disappointed with me that I I judged a book by its cover. I like I I I made fun of this movie for ten years. I was like you know like I would I would mock it and it, like this was amazing. Like this is this is like probably like my new favorite movie. You know like uh I was I was joking and said like the greatest story ever told because I I think that's the name of some like movie about the bible or something you know they're like the greatest story ever told but you know in in my area of pennsylvania we get sometimes commercials from like lancaster and stuff where they have all those like friggin like bible stage shows or whatever and they're always like the greatest story ever told and i'm like back to the future um so (laughs) i think this is gonna i think it's been long enough that i've made that joke now i'm gonna be like you mean pitch perfect the greatest story ever told (laughs)
2: I went to one of those Bible stage shows with my mom. There is this, the stage effects are impressive. <laughs> I'm just, not for nothing. Like people walk on water. Like there's all kinds. Of, it's like, wow, it's, it's actually really impressive for stage effects.
1: Huh. But is there acapella in them?
2: I don't remember any acapella. Fun note on acapella and singing in general. I don't know when it's good. Uh, <laughs> I have to ask Jacqueline all the time. I'm like, is this person singing good? Cause like, in a TV show or movie, sometimes someone will sing and it's clear that other people are reacting in a way. And I'm like, are they amazed how good or bad this is? And she has to tell me because I can't tell. Uh, Acapella impresses me when they're sounding like instruments because I'm like, that's like beatboxing almost. It's like, wow, you're making your voice sound like, it sounds like there's a drum there. It sounds like there's a guitar. I don't know who's doing that part, but it's really impressive. Uh, But singing itself, I can't tell if it's good or bad. I'm like, I don't know if I'm tone deaf or what. I'm like, I always have to look to Jacqueline and be like, are they singing good or, or bad?
1: Oh man. I, I have so many notes about the performances that I, I want to talk about. Um but Sean saying that made me there's there's a question that I actually wanted to ask you, Chris. I don't know I don't know why. I guess you're not like the expert on music or something, but probably you are more than Sean and I. Um, how accurate do you think Like how accurate do you think the like the voices and the music were in this movie? Um and I think what I mean by that, right, is like when you're making this movie, you actually have to make two things, right? You have to put together an a cappella group. Actually more than one a cappella group, right? You have to put together the Bellas and the um what were they called? The the What were the guys called? The tone? What the hell were the guys called? The tr the the treble makers. The treblemakers. The treblemakers. Treble makers. So you had to you had to put together the Bellas, the treble makers, you had to actually put together some of the other people they competed against, the Sacapella's or whatever <laughs> that was, right? Uh-huh. Um so you have to have a you know, you have to have a ensemble of voices that can perform together these songs. And then you also have to cast actors that are funny and can act and can do the thing. Um, and so, you know, it, it a makes me wonder if there was more consideration for one thing than the other. It also makes me wonder, like, how accurate was the music when we were watching them perform? Like, was there other voices in there that we weren't seeing? Um, and then, uh, yeah, and, and and like when I watched it, it it felt like it felt right. Like I'm I'm thinking about that scene on the bus where they all start singing on the bus, and they sort of mm-hmm. join in one by one, and you hear each of the individual voices, and you're like, oh yeah, like I'm like I'm seeing who's singing this now. But like I also think about you know when you like watch an episode of Scooby Doo and they all like pick up instruments and like one guy picks up the guitar and one guy's playing the keyboard and one guy's at the drums. And then you listen to the song and you're like, well, actually there's not much drums in this song and there's a saxophone in this song and nobody's playing a saxophone, (laughs) you know? So like did pitch perfect do movie magic to trick me or was it like pretty accurate with those performers and those songs? Well,
2: so I think uh, most of the groups, especially the guys, uh, but even the girls, uh, what was it? Probably like, 12 or 15 people in each group. I I don't remember exactly how big the groups were, but it was, you know, they weren't tiny. It wasn't like a, a, a quartet or anything. There was at least 10, if not, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15. Uh, there was only about four girls that had to do any real acting. Right. Um, and then the guys, what, uh, three or four again at most. Right. So like my guess is other than the, the stars, Everybody else was just, like, you know, they probably went and just got singers because did they have any speaking lines? I don't, I don't think so. You weren't, you weren't asking them to go above and beyond acting-wise.
1: I mean, um, there were some, some people that filled out the ensemble, you know, the, the, like with the Bellas, for example, there were some people that were sort of background that um, didn't really have a big acting part, But and I think they made a joke out of that. They were like, we've literally been here the whole time, oh my God. you know? I didn't um, catch
0: that the first t- first couple times I saw it. That was the first time I noticed that joke was watching in the theaters, where like those two new characters show up and they've n- never been mentioned before, and then all of a sudden, like we've literally been here the whole time. Like, no, we haven't. That's a great joke.
1: But it it did feel like a lot of the other a lot of the other main uh, performers in the Bellows were really showcased in a specific way, like Aubrey. Yeah, I believe and...
0: everybody who was cast in those, those roles were cast because they could both act and sing. Like Anna Kendrick does all kinds of singing stuff. And I am like, I know the, the, the guys uh, like Skylar Aston and whatnot, they've all been, they've all had various singing roles in various Broadway productions and shows and things like that. So yeah, I think, I mean, aside from the fact that it's super obvious when they weren't singing on set, you know, like they're obviously lip syncing a studio performance for, pretty much every song um but that's uh, kind of the uh, part of the movie's charm is the completely unrealistic nature of studio quality uh acapella happening in all places where everybody can hear everybody perfectly and everything um but no i i, I do think that everybody I, I think those actors all performed their their parts it was amazing i loved
1: it i also <laughs> it want more so of the uh
0: the <laughs> Was it a uh, Joe Latrulio and Donald Faison and who was the third guy and the 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 older re- retired?
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, one, group of, group? one of them was Jason Jones from the Daily Show. <laughs> Jason um, Jones, that was it. Yeah, Joe Latrulio uh, and Donald. They Faison were Faison. in the sequel. Uh, they they were called the Tone Hangers, um, <laughs> but I guess Donald Donald Faison didn't come back for it. Uh, it was. In the sequel, the zone hangers were Reggie Watts, Jason Jones, John Hodgman, Joe Latrulio, and uh, somebody else that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I always it always
0: makes
2: me happy when somebody from the state shows up in a, in anything really. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, I don't know uh I guess I guess we should talk a little bit about
0: um, Anna Kendrick's character, because I know Sean felt pretty strongly about her being, uh, like, just the worst at by the end of the movie.
1: Alright, do um, it,
0: Sean. Go on your rant. I just need to jump in here for a second. Uh, so, something went horribly awry with Sean's audio for the rest of this episode. Um, I did my best to clean it up and kind of try to match it up with the rest of the conversation, but Everything went completely haywire with his uh, his audio for the rest of the episode, so I'm sorry. Uh, I did my best, but he did have some interesting things to say, so please bear with the uh, strange sound quality. That's all.
2: So, uh, look, uh, uh, the Anna Kendrick character is uh, is a trope, right? Which is fine. You you know, we use tropes in movies, and they they help us establish a uh, a lot of uh, you know backlog without having to sit there and go through it all right like oh i know who this person is you've given me the clues i put them in their archetype got it Move forward right so that's fine uh but it's a trope that's uh commonly used where uh like the person has a, a change of heart at some point right and then everything's better and like it just feels like the 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 story only works from like their perspective like uh, and i thought we established this in the 80s that it doesn't work and everybody's just like yeah it doesn't work but we're <laughs> we're not gonna develop new tropes we're gonna stick with the ones we got um where it's like yeah but like everybody else wasn't a dick or at least maybe not everybody else in this movie but like the guy like why did that guy hang out like why was he into this chick she was a bitch and she was not nice to him. And then she was kind of like flirty with that other DJ guy who seemed like a tool bag. And like the nice guy that we're supposed to care about is just like in it taking abuse. And then she finally has like a turnaround and then he uh, takes her back and we're supposed to be happy about this. In my head, I'm like, dude could do better, right? I mean, they do the same trope, you know, reverse gender role a lot of times too. You know, the, the nice girl takes the, the jerk jock who you know has a change of heart halfway through. But it's like, first of all, why did the nice guy even want to be with the mean chick or you know whatever you know, gender roles we're using? And then second, why should I be happy that he is now with this person who, granted, has presumably had some sort of change of heart or come to Jesus moment or what have you. But uh, the majority of the evidence I have on her is she's a bitch. Uh, so maybe she realized that her over-the-top bitchiness had consequences. And because it had consequences and was damaging her life and she decided to make a change to undamage her life, I'm supposed to now be happy that the nice guy is with her? Like, I guess if you're pulling for her the whole time, and again, it only works from her perspective. If you like her and you identify with her the whole time, which means you have some problems, uh, then sure, you're happy because she got the nice guy who we're supposed to like and everything we saw about him was, was good and happy and wonderful. Um, but, like, there was plenty of other nice chicks in the Bella group. Like, why didn't he just go with one of them? Like uh, one of the two, one of the two main chicks was very nice. Didn't do anything wrong the whole time. Uh, the one with the, I think she had reddish hair. She was pretty. She was nice. She wasn't a bitch to anybody. Why doesn't nice guy go with her? Um,
1: that would make me happier.
2: She
0: was a, uh, she was a little uh overbearing in the shower in that one scene. But other than that, yeah, I see, what you, see what you mean.
1: Oh man, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna get back to that shower scene. Uh, <laughs> let's let's put a pin in that. Um, I want to I want to respond to what Sean said because I I completely agree and at the same time I completely disagree. Um <laughs> uh I think I think that was the whole point. Um so so I guess I'm going to respond to this in two ways, right? Um I guess one thing I'll say is like yes, this movie shouldn't have worked. Um they they wrote and conceived a wholly unlikable character right the the writing and the the directing and stuff um made this character that was yeah that was was mean to people she alienated people she was mean to her dad um uh you know and and it it seemed like she just wanted to make music mashups and, like, nobody understood her or whatever. And that, like, you know, that was her excuse for alienating people, right? Um, So, it shouldn't have worked. And I think that the reason it does is because it's Anna Kendrick. Like, I think she really is, like really charismatic and really likable. And like when she's just her own personality and other things, lip sync battles and late shows and stuff like that, she's like, she's electric. You can't take her eyes off your eyes off her, you know? And it's like, I, I'm not just saying that cause I have a giant toner for Anna Kendrick. Like, uh, I, like, I actually think that she is what made the movie work like with this unlikable character. Um, and I think the other thing, and, Sean, you kind of said it with the like gender role thing is like i i think she's i think she's supposed to be the guy in this movie like um so so the movie i mean the movie's a lot of different things right it's kind of an improv movie it's a singing movie it's it's a competition movie right it's um it's it's basically like. The Bad News Bears, but with, like, acapella instead of baseball, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's also a romance movie, right? Like, there is a romantic connection between these two, and it does, like, pay off with a thing at the end. So, like, the movie isn't a romantic comedy, but it's got a romantic subplot, right? And it's highlighted by him saying, oh, I want you to watch... Like, I want to score movies. That's what I want to do. Like, I want you to watch these movies with me. And then she tells us she doesn't like movies, which is another thing that makes her completely unlikable, right? Like, it's being like, hey, I don't like fun or joy. Um, But she's like, I don't like movies, Um, right? And then he makes her watch the end of The Breakfast Club, which is another weird thing that he makes her watch the end of a movie, right? Um, But then when she actually sits down and watches the breakfast club is when she's going through that introspective time, right? It's when the Bellas have lost and she's been, you know, she walked out on the Bellas and she, and, and when she went to him and apologized and he was like, get your crap together. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to deal with this stuff. Right. So like she has this alone time. She watches the breakfast club and it kind of pays off in two ways. It pays off in the breakfast club moment that the Bellas have where they all sit around and they have a connection with each other. Let's get to know each other, which I also want to put a pin in that scene because I want to come back to that. I have a lot to say about that scene. Um, but then it pays off in her putting the breakfast club song in the acapella performance at the end of the show, which is like... Uh, you know, which is, is basically like the olive branch to him, right? It's like, it's like John Cusack holding the, the jukebox above his head, the, the boombox above his head and say anything, right? It's like, it's, it's that like olive branch. Um, I'm sorry, I'm connecting with you thing. Right. Um, the, you know, it, 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 the Breakfast Club song and that, in that bit was really awesome because a, it served as like the mashup thing in the performance. And then B, it was that moment with him. And I know say anything, isn't a John Hughes movie and the breakfast club is right. But it's still like one of these eighties teen romance kind of thing. And I can't help, but think that they were channeling that with all of this and to say that she's the guy. And specifically She's John Bender in the breakfast club. She's the outsider who wears flannel and alienates people and smokes cigarettes and has coffee for breakfast um, and needs to get his shit together, you know? So, like, I think that it... But, but Bender Bender, works, ben, Bender worked better because you paired him off with someone who was also a bitch, Right.
2: Both uh, him and the Molly Ringwald character, who I can't think of the name of the movie. Claire? Uh, I think. They... Was she Claire? Claire. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's it, Claire. Uh, they were both horrible people, right? So you didn't have one of them just being abusive towards the other, right? I mean, Bender gave her hell, but she gave him hell back, right? So when they got together at the end, it was an improvement for both of them. There was catharsis on both sides. In this movie, uh, dude was just nice the whole time. More than reasonable, more than patient, total nice guy the whole time. She was abusive towards him. You used the word romance. What romance? He was romantic, maybe. He was nice anyway. Where's the other side of it? You're going to say that end scene, that's an apology. He was still, like, they were, they were separated. So her only gesture towards him was, I'm sorry for being a bitch, and that amounts to some sort of positive? Please, at best, she's gotten back to neutral. So unlike Bender and Claire, who are both Hicks, go through some catharsis, both have some uh, growth. You know, this is just abuse. Like she's abusive to him, he takes it. She apologizes, he takes her back. I like got news for That's the cycle of violence, right there. That's how that's how domestic violence starts. Like it's it's just not it's not uh, it's not two way, right? And I think that's the problem. A lot of these, uh, and, and a lot of them are dopey teenage, you know. Uh, whatever movies that you know aren't trying to be great films or whatever but i think when you dissect them uh, and usually the gender roles are reversed not always i have seen it both ways uh, but a lot of times it's the other way around with the, the guy who's a jerk and the nice girl right uh and she takes off her glasses and she's pretty it's all the tropes you throw them all in uh, but the it's not uh when you try to remove it into the real world which maybe this movie defends itself from by being so absurdist at every other moment, right? Because again, it's two movies over top of each other. So the fact that, you know, as soon as you try to take some reality into this movie, you're you're struck with something ridiculous. Uh, But that storyline didn't pop for me for two reasons. One, it just seems lopsided. And I, you know, I'm rooting for him to realize he's worth more than that and doesn't have to take that kind of abuse and go get himself a good girl. Um, and then the other problem is you said it yourself that uh, Kendrick is uh, electric and she can pull it off because she's mesmerizing. I don't like her, and I know why I don't like her because I've only seen her in like three movies, and uh, one of the other movies was basically uh, a similar situation where she was supposed to like be better by the end, you know. And then the other one was that Five Years movie, Five Years something or other that I watched with Jacqueline, and not that she was the bad guy in that they both both characters were equally problematic intentionally that that movie does not suffer from the the, the type of trope that I'm talking about here Uh, both characters were really fleshed out in that movie but they were both fleshed out in a way that like I was neutral towards their success by the end like I I didn't identify or root for them right Um, they weren't terrible people they weren't perfect people Um, you know they were just people Um, which for that movie that's fine that's what they were trying to do but those are the only movies I've seen Anna Kendrick in uh, but I didn't really care for the five-year movie, so uh, it's, uh, I don't like her. Uh, maybe if I saw her in a bunch of things that I did enjoy, and I did enjoy this movie, but but not really her. She also didn't have many of the, she didn't have, a, I don't think, any of the laugh lines, right? I don't, I don't think she had any of the laugh lines.
1: Oh, I, th- I thought she had a couple. I liked, I liked when she was like, make good choices. <laughs> that made me laugh.
0: All right, so 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 back to what Sean was saying. Um, I think what I, I think, at least the way that I read this, is that Anna Kendrick's character, like when I watched it, yeah, she's she's being kind of cruddy to everyone around her, but I feel like it comes from a place of like this dude that she liked and that liked her, uh, also was kind of like the surrogate for what the uh, the audience is supposed to be seeing, as in when I saw it, I was like she's being a jerk, but I can tell that there's there's something there like she's not just being a bitch because she is a bitch she's being a bitch because she's got something going on, and if you can in and, in and, and if he can kind of like coax whatever's really going on out of her, then she might be worth his time, and I think that's what he was kind of feeling throughout much of the movie but like you said he uh, he forgives her in the end but in that middle part he doesn't she goes over there and she's like all right i figured it out i fucked up i'm sorry and he's like no no you go get your shit together i'm not forgiving you this easily until you're until you come at me with something that's actually meaningfully a meaningful apology not like i fucked up but i'm cute please take me back like until you come at me with a meaningful apology." You're not, you're not getting any of this. (laughs) And so it took that giant gesture at the end, which showed him not just that she genuinely was sorry, but that she learned that she was being a bitch, that she understood. I've been treating the people. She had this vision of what she wanted her life to be. She knew what she wanted, and then that didn't happen exactly the way she wanted. And she was acting like a child about it instead of realizing that what was actually happening to her was better than what she thought she wanted in the first place. And it was coming to that realization that made her kind of become the person that he thought she might be underneath all the veneer of bullshit. Because while she was indeed being a bitch, she was also being somewhat charming, like a bitch, but she like, she would make him laugh sometimes, you know, like there was some chemistry there. And so he saw value in that, like okay let me see if there's something here worth pursuing and she had to come around to prove to him that she was worth his time in the end and i think that she did that which doesn't necessarily change the fact that she was being a bitch to everyone around her but you know she's a college freshman who wants to be a dj she's all like wrapped in her shit you know
1: i think
2: maybe that's the other problem, she's a college freshman who wants to be a DJ. You said she was being charming. As soon as I hear that chain of words, I'm like, this isn't charming. This is not good. This is oh Jesus.
1: I think there was definitely a spark between them, you know, like whether she was awful some of the time or not. Like I think I think Chris is right. Like I think you I think you were rooting for them because they they had something even though she couldn't get over her crap for a long time you know and then also like all the the parallels that i talked about with the breakfast club and other 80s type things like i'm not saying it's it pays off perfectly but i'm saying that like i can't help but think that was woven into the to all of this for that reason and i think it works really well um and i i also think like even though they've made her an unlikable character in a lot of ways. They haven't made her unsympathetic. Like, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, it it doesn't excuse the way that she acts. Like the way that she acts is is not awesome and and it needs to be addressed, but um you know they set up the thing with her dad that her mom and dad are divorced and then she blames her dad for pushing her mom away and that she acts awful to her dad and like i'm sure there's a lot of people that watch this movie that like connect with that you know that's like a very common thing for somebody that age in the movie um you know there's also this whole thing that like nobody understands what she's trying to do and i know that what she's trying to do is literally just mash songs together but um but like you know she's got this whole like i want to be a D- you know i want to be a dj i want to do this thing and like her dad doesn't get it and the bellas don't get it and the shitty guy at the radio station that has absolutely no personality doesn't get it <laughs> um so like you know like there is some stuff that sets up this like misunderstood outsider thing and again even though i don't think it justifies it i think it makes you sympathize with her in some ways it makes it her does, relatable it, in it, some
0: it, ways. It does explain it, and I think you know, there's definitely been times in in all of our lives when we have we have liked people that other people haven't understood why we like, and it's just it's just something that happens uh, with <laughs> it, it's just something that happens with people. Like uh, I, I don't know how to, how to say it other than what I just said. Like sometimes we like people, and the other people around us looking like why do you why do you want to spend time with this person? And it's because you see something in that person that other people don't see yet. And eventually yet the, the hope is that that all comes together and that the other people are, uh, that person becomes more, uh, the things you like about that person become more obvious to the other people around you. And um, I think that's what the movie was going for. Like that this, this guy sees something in her uh, and the Bellas see something in her, but she's, she's not exhibiting that yet. And if they can just spend some time with her and figure out what her problem is, that they can get that good person out of her.
1: And th- th- that's the way that I read it. Well, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna use that point to, like, segue into that little you know that little get to know each other thing with the with the Bellas, the the um, Breakfast Club moment or whatever. I thought that was particularly interesting because, you know, with the Breakfast Club, it's all about those people that are very different: the jock, the nerd, the the outsider, whatever, all making a connection. Like with the Bellas, it seemed like the only two that really needed to get over their crap were her. Anna Kendrick, Becca, and uh, Aubrey, right? The, ba- um, the blonde girl, right? Who the blonde girl, Who was so yeah. intent on everything staying the way that it always was. I, th- I thought it was interesting that they kind of had that connection in the thing, and it, it, was, it was about their dads, um, although they had different problems with their dads. They found like common ground with their dads um, and, and let them <laughs> see each other a little more and, and get over their crap. It's. It seemed like it was gonna be, you know, these cathartic moments for the rest of them. But I thought it was so funny because, like, the rest of them all did have common ground. Like they were enjoying themselves, they were having fun, they wanted to be together, and they they all had acapella as the common ground, you know. And like, it was funny because they start some of these other people start talking, and it's like, oh, she's gonna come out of the closet, and she's like. Oh no, I'm I'm out. Like I I'm, I have a gambling addiction, you know, <laughs> or uh, or the um, yeah, the one girl was like I have sex too much, and they're all like we know, um, and then it particularly the, the girl who, like
0: kills rabbits for fun or whatever. Oh my said. god, she
1: was amazing. Um, yeah, even <laughs> her like uh, what was it? She, she, there was the one thing where she was like I have gills like a fish or something. That was her audition, right? She's like I, I was born with gills like a fish. Um <laughs> but the um the uh Oh, I know the yeah, sorry, the 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 their little moment there. Um the the thing that particularly impressed me that I thought paid off was was Bad Amy and the way that Sean said that he's never really liked uh Anna Kendrick or whatever like I sort of felt the way for a long, long time about Rebel Wilson. I, until this movie, I feel like I never got her. Like, I never understood what the appeal was. And I think it's because there's been a lot of movies that have tried to use her in the same way as this movie and did not understand what was successful about this movie, right? Because I think a lot of times when I've seen Rebel Wilson and stuff, and, like, again, like, I... I missed this movie. I discounted it. I wrote it off. And so I missed the thing that everybody like liked her for and was like, "Oh, she's amazing." You know, and so then when I would see her in this stuff where like it was just physical comedy that was supposed to make her look stupid, like she looked like fat and foolish, and I was like, "I like I just don't understand what the appeal is." And I think it's because they they tried to do this and they they blew it because what was awesome about this movie was how like confident she was. Like she knew who she was from the beginning of this movie, as is stated when she goes, I'm fat Amy. And they're like, Oh, people call you fat Amy. And she's like, no, I call myself that. So twig bitches like you won't say it behind (laughs) my back. You know, like from the very beginning, she, she like knows who she is. You know, she, uh, Like she, I think part of the humor is that she is so confident, but she also like earns that confidence, right? Like she is amazing when she performs. Like when she gets that solo, um, in that in the first, um, in the first competition they get, like it like blows everybody away. Even in audition, she blows everybody away, and it cracked me up so much because she's like, Oh, what, like no backup dancers, you know? And then and then she like, like wails on this chorus, you know, so like I think it's this funny like cocky thing, but then it's like backed up. And I thought it really paid off with that moment because like you expect everybody to be doing this um you know, this this pouring your heart out thing and you think it's going to be like oh, you know, I am ashamed of being fat or it's, you know, I act like this but I'm really self-conscious or whatever and it's like no, she totally owns being fat. Like she's ashamed that her name's not really Amy. <laughs> that her name's Fat Patricia. <laughs> yeah, so, That's a pretty solid gag. Yeah, and, like, like she, she's by
0: the pool with like a bunch of like model grade dudes. Like just yeah, no, she,
1: she yeah. And she, she, she
0: completely backs up what she's saying.
1: I never got her until this movie, but I I was I'm call me a fan now because uh, she was one of the best parts of the movie for me.
0: Pitch Perfect is to Rebel Wilson. As surf ninjas is to Rob Schneider.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was
2: going to say I didn't dislike her in other movies, uh, but I would agree that this is the best. Like, uh,
1: I wouldn't have said I was a huge, huge fan of her, but she's funny. I've, I've laughed at other movies she's in; she's usually fine. Uh, but this is definitely the best work I've seen from her. Yeah, and I think I, I think it's also because she's such a great singer. Like, I think I think they were all good singers, but like. Uh... Yeah, man. A lot of I thought a lot of the stuff was impressive and like uh, like s- specifically that audition thing when she when she when her voice comes in, you're like, "Holy crap," you know? Um Yeah. Oh, can we can we talk about the audition? Do you guys want to talk about the audition? There was the audition and you wanted to come back to the shower thing as well. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um well, I guess with the audition, I will just say that, um, yeah, I thought I thought that scene was really well done, right? In that, like, if you're going to watch an audition, it's like one person's voice. You know, you're watching... If you were going to really watch an audition, you'd just be watching one person singing a song solo, especially for an acapella audition, right? So, like, nothing could be more boring, right? And, like, I guess if you were gonna wanna impress an audition, you would want to sing something where you were like belting out something that like that like you know that that highlights your range. Um but like they mashed up the audition stuff um so that you're hearing a bunch of voices uh and like it made it so much more interesting to watch all of the individual people um and I thought, like, like I thought it, that song was really good, and it made that whole bit really amazing. And then, particularly, it it made what came after it so much more impactful. When Becca's the last one and she walks in, um, and does that cup song, which, like, for ten years I had been making fun of that cup song, right, like. For for ten whole years, like, I go and grab a cup out of the cabinet and I, like, pretend to play on it and I'm like, you know, like, like, ten years ago that song was everywhere. And I was like, ugh. And I would roll my eyes at it and I was like, whatever, pitch perfect, right? And, like, now that I've seen it, it was such an amazing a uh, piece of the movie and like it's like again like I knew that stupid song was in the movie and I completely forgot until it happened like I- I've been mocking it for 10 years don't ask me how I forgot that it was going to be in the movie but then when it was in the movie it like completely wowed me right because like now you're you're focusing just on one person's voice so you don't have the accompaniment of the other voices that you had when they made the montage of the audition. So they have to couple it with something, and it's this, like, thing of her playing the cup, and, like, I I can't, I mean, I imagine if I was actually on an audition, and, like, you thought it was over, and it was, like, everybody's like, all right, whatever, and then it's like, oh, there's one more person left, and that they came and sat down in the middle of the stage, like, right at the foot of the stage, and had this, like, intimate little song performance with a cup, like... I think anybody would be blown away. Like I I I knew it was in the movie. I made fun of it for 10 years and I was I was like 100% blown away by it when it happened. Like I guess that's why I felt like it was such a cool scene.
0: I always thought that was a really cool scene too, but I've completely missed everything else you're saying about this song. I don't think I've heard it anywhere else. I don't... I don't know anything <laughs> was else
1: about it. everywhere 10 years ago. It was on the radio. It was like everybody was watching the YouTube video because it was like, oh, it's because the YouTube video, it, the the music video for it is all one shot. So it's like, since it's one camera <laughs> shot, there's this thing where it's like you can't screw up with the, the cup routine because, uh-huh. you know, they would have to do another take of it. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a phenomenon. And I think that's why it was on my radar. But. Wow, yeah, I, I completely know. missed that.
0: <laughs> I just thought it was a neat performance. I, I had no idea it was a, a thing. That's hilarious. Alright, so what did you have to say about the shower scene?
1: Oh, so um <laughs> so I didn't I didn't realize when we were watching the movie that when we were all watching it together in the movie theater, I didn't realize that she was talking about masturbation when she was talking about that song. Um, so, what's her face? Anna Kendrick starts singing the song, and then, you know, she, what was, I don't remember what that character's name was, the red-haired girl, um, was in the shower with a guy, a couple stalls down, and then, when she hears her singing, she goes over, and there's that, that awkward thing between them. <laughs> Where she's but then, just standing there buck naked in front yeah, of her. Yeah. And she goes... Uh, she, she goes, were you singing titanium? And then she goes, that's my jam. And then she goes, my lady jam. And then, uh, Anna Kendra Oh, and then she goes, it really builds, you know what I mean? And she winks at her and Anna Kendrick's like, Ugh, you know, and then she's like, will you sing it for me? And then she's I see, like, I completely, uh.
0: and, I completely And then she goes, not too. for
1: that reason. Um, <laughs> And I like I had no idea what they were talking about but then I watched a like an outtakes like deleted scenes kind of thing and she goes that's my jam my diddle jam <laughs> and I was like <laughs> I was like oh that's a lot clearer what you're talking about um, <laughs> yeah,
2: I
0: missed that one
1: yeah um, Her that characters was, that went yeah it went totally over my head I just could, maybe I didn't know what a lady jam was I don't know <laughs> Chloe was her character's name
2: Oh, one thing, uh, I, don't, I don't know how close you are to the end, I want to throw out there. I loved Adam Devine's just abrupt out. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking, it's such amazing story writing because it's such bad story writing. Like, it's like that.
1: And everybody got hit by a truck. It just like got <laughs> to get the magic put on stage out. Nope, and done. He, Love it. And he and he literally just had to stay with them for the weekend. <laughs> like like he it was literally one more performance like a couple days later. Like he literally just had to stay through the weekend, but he's like, No, I'm gonna leave to be a backup singer for John Mayer, you know, like not even like you know, oh, I'm featured on this thing or whatever. Like, I'm going to be a backup voice. <laughs>
2: like, you know, it's great when you think about it. This is a college acapella aqua- group. That means he dropped out of college, too. Like, he just bounced. <laughs> he, just, he just outed, right? Like,
0: gone. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty God. brilliant uh, move there. I like that quite a bit.
1: He comes back in the sequel and he is a. Um, he is a. Uh, campus security guy at the college, so that's how they yeah, yeah, so that's how they write him back in, and then they they make a whole romantic subplot in the second movie with him and, and Fat Amy, which is actually pretty funny.
0: Yeah, this was a big surprise for me, too. I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd seen it before you guys, I was really thrilled to get to go see this in the theater with Karen, she was happy as a clam, uh, getting to see it with you guys and everything. Uh, she was She specifically remarked how um, she didn't know that uh, you, Paul, hadn't seen it already, Um, but she remarked how happy it made her to hear the rest of us, specifically you guys who hadn't seen it, reacting to it um, positively, Like, like laughing at all the jokes and stuff. It made her really happy to hear that you guys were genuinely enjoying the movie, too. Yeah, well,
1: just think how happy it's going to make her when she listens to this episode. And I'm like, this is amazing! It's the greatest movie ever! Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I, uh, I mean, I think we got through a lot of my notes. Um, uh, I don't know. It's weird that we haven't talked about the... Um, it's weird that we haven't talked about her vomiting more, but... Um,
2: uh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, God, um,
0: that uh the, the second time when she does it at the and they're all having the argument, then uh the girl starts making barf angels. That was uh Yeah. yeah. That was uh that was really disturbing yeah. and quite brilliant. I,
1: I, I kinda love she has the best facial expressions too. Like they kinda get in real close on her face a lot of the times before she says one of those quiet things and they, they Get in real close on her face when she's in the barf, and you could see her kind of, like, have the idea to make the barf angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't
0: overuse her. Like, that's, a kind, that's the kind of gag that could have gotten really old if they had used it just, like, two more times. It would have been like, alright, you, you killed it. But they, they used her exactly sparingly enough, and it was, it was always funny.
1: Well that's why I'm so interested about some of the casting decisions, you know, about the the voices versus the the look and and um and and really the like humor of the people. Um and and certainly it, it's probably that they found a lot of people that were super talented and can do all of it. Um but uh yeah, like the girl that played cynthia rose the the one that they were all like oh she's a lesbian um i think she apparently is a recording artist like she she is a composer and a like a you know a pretty well-known um uh recording artist and then um yeah certainly anna kendrick and rebel wilson have have good voices but like i almost wondered if that quiet girl with the with the (laughs) with the like funny lines if like she was sought out because she had that niche thing where she was like, Oh, I can do these weird things with my voices that like in the songs, when they were going to have the, we're going to work a while, you know, that like, Uh um, and she does more of that in the second movie, you know? Um, but I was like, yeah, everybody kind of like filled their niche thing in the, in the group. Like it was, it was, it was well constructed and well put together. I agree. the, the other thing I the other thing I wrote down, and uh, it's funny because I think my favorite line from the movie actually was not from any of the the Bellas. My favorite line from the movie was the 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 nerd guy with the Star Wars room, <laughs> the 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 uh you know the magician. <laughs> he goes, he's like when he meets the other guy, and he's got his cape on and everything. He's he goes. I'm not a total nerd. I also happen to be super into close-up magic. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, I was like, way to, like, way to sell that one. I'm, I'm not a total nerd. And then he says the nerdiest thing that he could possibly <laughs> say.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a chock full of wonderful bits. And uh, I, I love this movie. I think it's great. And I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, too all right let's let's wrap up ours uh obviously we all liked this one, so it gets a gets a big fat recommendation so it's time for us to figure out what we are watching next time, which is uh for the letter q, which I had a hard time coming up with uh anything for so why don't you guys go first since mine uh, mine matters the least, and uh i I have two choices in case one of them gets picked so
2: uh I am can- I have three choices, but
1: I could give Paul's choice. I know Paul's choice. Well, can can I go? I'll go first, just because I want to say one more thing about uh Pitch Perfect. There was there's just one more thing I wrote down, which was like um, I I wanted to know what everybody thought of the the roommate Kimmy Jin because like I thought that was so weird. Like the um, I thought that was so weird how like they had this really mean like thing between them. And I thought I thought that they didn't really resolve it in the movie. I was like, it's weird that they set that up and they didn't resolve it. But now I think they did resolve it because like she always had she always had other people in the room. Kimmy Jin did. And then like when Becca had all those people there, she's like she's like, they've been here all night. It was a real inconvenience. So like I think they did it just to make that joke and then they like had her like say goodbye before the the winter break when she watched or, you know, whatever it was when she watched the, the uh, breakfast club and then had her like come to Jesus moment. So like, I don't know. Now, now I think maybe it did pay off, but I'm not sure. I just wondered what everybody else thought of Kimmy Jin.
2: When you brought her up uh, just now, I was like, before you had said it, I was desperately searching. I was like, how did that plot resolve? And I couldn't find it in my head. And now you're saying that. I'm like, you're you're saying, I mean, they got to a joke, but I don't know that that resolves a plot point. And I think that is kind of left hanging. Not that it's important or that you need to tie it up or give closure. I mean, you know, life doesn't give closure to every moment, but. It does seem weird to work that character in for that one joke. Not that they spent a lot of time building it up, but there's a little bit of time devoted to what wasn't the funniest joke. And I mean, it was all right. It was a joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's weird.
1: Maybe, maybe that's why I feel unresolved about it, because it wasn't the funniest joke, but it felt, like a big, like it felt like a big thing that they kept going back to. So I was like, am I missing something with this? It's a lot of real estate. Give me gin- your B effort. She was not in the second movie, so that was another reason. I was like, what was the point of that? I wonder if something got left on the editing floor. Like there was another joke that they they cut out for time or something. Oh,
0: this... Maybe it was to make Anna Kendrick's character seem less bitchy by comparison. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well,
2: let's just put Hitler as her roommate,
0: you know? That'll make her seem
1: great. (laughs) uh, That's another thing Fatima events could have done. I'm sh- I mean, I say I'm sure. I, I feel confident that there's probably, uh, and they might have been on the DVDs or Blu-rays already,
2: but you could have shown them anyway. You could have shown like uh, outtakes and stuff, right? Like uh, the-, the commentators. A lot of that felt ad libs, so there's probably ten other takes that are, you know, probably funny that didn't get used.
1: Yeah, that would have that would have made me feel resolved if Kimmy Jin had had introduced the movie for fathom events and if she was like oh here's this goddamn movie i, I hate it so much i not want to be an actress i was just
2: in hollywood for the weekend
1: uh, they got me to do this part <laughs> that would have brought it full circle for me um all right cool i'm done talking about pitch perfect the greatest movie ever made um uh okay so sean you know my pick you want to tell you i told you okay Paul, paul's pick is quest no it's not quest
2: oh really <laughs> You were talking. What the hell's Quest? Are you kidding me? The Quest is my pick now. Quest is a. a, <laughs> a
1: you were talking about him earlier, Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, I haven't watched Quest. I watched I watched Bloodsport and I watched uh, Hard Target. You, you <laughs> and, said at the beginning and, um, of this,
2: you were like, I've been watching a lot of Jean Claude Van Damme, but I was like, well, what are my one of my picks? Not that there's a lot of Q movies to pick from, but what are my backup picks? I was like, Quest. I don't know that I've ever actually seen Quest. It's a Jean Claude Van Damme movie from the '90s called quest or maybe it's
1: the quest or something like that well i'm definitely going to watch it now i've been (laughs) i've been building i've been building up like i said i watched those other two and it was literally so i had a couple under my belt because i wanted to watch this movie called jcvd that's like i guess his story like uh i was like it feels like i should have some jean-claude van damme movies in reference before i watch this other movie that's probably going to be bananas um but yeah, I didn't even know that. So quest big was a bunch of miss Time good.
2: cop, and it uh, was double, double strike. What was not called double strike? What was the one where he, he was twins? <laughs> I don't know. Close. Oh, oh, oh! It was
0: two. Of oh, them. that's gonna drive me. That's he, gonna drive me crazy. Him, he, he, you know, it was just him twice.
2: Uh, double impact. Double impact. That's it. Double strike. That doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> and don't forget Street Fighter. Oh, sure, sure. But you know what, really, uh, Raul Julius just walks away with the movie. So, Yeah, that's a, that's a Raul Julius movie. Was like anybody else even right. in that movie? I'm not sure
2: that there was anybody else
0: in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the Quest, I've never, I, I'm unfamiliar with that one.
2: I, I've never, I, if I have seen it, I don't remember it uh, at all. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. But there's not a lot of cues to
1: choose from, so I'm going Quest. Yeah. So that's, is that really, yeah, that's sure. your pick? It was one of the three I had written down, right. so cool. go with that one. <laughs> all right. All right exciting um yeah i i also um i also didn't have a ton of q movies i mean like uh i i i think there's just not a lot of q words in the alphabet so i assume that there's not a lot of movies that start with q um but i i went with i guess i don't know if it was the first one i thought of but it's I don't know. It's it's the first one that I thought of that I wanted to see, I guess. Um, so it was I don't know, uh like thirty years ago? It was a long time ago. I've definitely seen this movie. Um Bill Murray, Gina Davis, and Randy Quaid. Anybody anybody know what it is?
2: Oh, he's he paints up like a clown. Right?
1: And they rob a bank.
2: And they rob a bank. Yeah, Bill Murray's a clown. Like he's he's done up like a clown to rob the bank.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what
2: was that called?
1: Quick remember. Change.
2: Quick Change.
1: Quick Change. Okay. Yeah. So that's gonna be my pick, Quick Change.
0: Interesting. Alright, well you guys didn't pick either of the ones that I went with, so I'm gonna go with uh, this first one here. Uh, whenever I looked up, I kept looking for lists of like, best Q movies, and this one was always near the top of the list, and I've never heard of it before. Uh, it's called Quiz Show. Um oh yes, I know Quiz Show. It's a starring uh that's Ralph Rafe, Phineas? Ralph Phineas? <laughs> no, that's not how you say his name. Ray Fiennes. Fiennes, John Totoro. Yeah. uh I think it's got Hank Azaria's in it. Uh I don't really know. I've never even heard of it before. Um but it looks really interesting and it, it's got it's a Hank
1: It's based on a true story. It's it's pretty incredible and John Totoro is great in it.
0: Yeah, so 1994's Quiz Show is is my pick. All right, let's see. Red, Red leader standing, standing by. by. All right, I think I'm ready. Okay, and go. Oh my god!
1: Why do you guys keep voting for mine?
2: <laughs> what change it is?
0: You sold me. I was I was leaning towards Quest to be honest, but I was like, no, nah, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to see those three <laughs> people try to get to an airport. <laughs> wow. I-
1: I mean, I'm obviously gonna watch Quest now because I've been watching these other Jean-Claude Van Tan movies, so... Alright, whatever it is. And, and where is your movie available? You son of a beach oh, bison! No. Uh, uh, keep talking, guys. Mm, it is not... It is not on any streaming service, so you will, you will have to get it on... Uh, You'll have to get it on Amazon Prime or uh, Apple iTunes Movies. Those are both streaming services. Yeah, but it's not like it's not like on like you Peacock can't. or HBO. Yeah, it's or not like
0: yeah, it's it's something you have to purchase or something. Oh, you can rent it. Huh. Yeah, you can rent it for from Apple or Vudu or Prime Video or Google Play, all for two ninety nine. Alright everybody, a theater near you is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. If you'd like early access to this podcast and several other of the Geekade Podcast Network shows, check out the Geekade Patreon linked to in our show notes. It helps keep this show running and our site shiny and clean. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time in a theater near you.
1: Aka later, bitches.
0: Excuse me, but I might take a little more than I should
1: tonight, and I might take you home with me if I can